Hi, everyone. This is Jill. Welcome to the podcast. Education is not the learning of facts, but the training of the mind to think. Albert Einstein. Today, we're going to talk about how do you learn new things and how can you take those things and put them into actions? A few years ago, I decided I wanted to learn how to paddleboard. And what I did is I went to YouTube and watched a bunch of videos of people paddleboarding. Went to bed, next morning, got up, rented a paddleboard and tried it out. And you know what? It actually worked. I was pretty iffy at first, but I started getting the hang of it. And I remembered all the lessons of how to change positions, how to get up and sit down. I was able to actually get pretty far. You can learn a lot of different things and put them into action so that you can have new experiences in life and try new things. The first book that we'll talk about today is called Learn, Improve, Master by Nick Velasquez. He talks about how can you learn new items and gives you several techniques so that you can learn things easily. He says that learning is a bit like hiking trails through grassy fields. You can see the pathways that other people took before you. And as soon as these neural connections are made, the connections become faster to make. It becomes faster to learn. And you're able to pick things up quicker than you were before. Learning actually changes the physical structures of our brains and enables us to remember more, to learn more, and do more. So the first thing he talks about is making associations with things. That means that when you try to pull out a memory, if they're associated with a particular event or they're associated with a particular skill that you need to do, you want to make those connections to whatever it is that you're learning to multiple things. For those of you who remember libraries with card catalogs, you had a card catalog that showed you all the authors. You had another series of boxes that were organized by book title. But then came the categories. Was this book a psychology book, history book? And the more areas that book hit, the more cards were in the card catalog for that particular book. So if it was a travel log that also talked about the history of Greece, you would get a card for Greece, history, travel. And that way, it made it easier to find that particular book. That's a bit how memories work for us, too. If we can have many different entry points to find that memory, we remember it better. They also talk about chunking. And chunking is where you're putting groups of things together. You're not trying to remember this big, long string of things. We've seen that before where we've tried to break things up into smaller groups. For phone numbers, for example, you can see that it's the area code dash the region code dash the last four digits of the number. They chunk them up in such a way so it makes it easier for us to remember. We do learn and memorize things better when they're grouped up into smaller categories. The book also talks about learning styles, and that's become a big trend. People call it VARK, or V-A-R-K. Visual, auditory, reading is another one. And kinesthetic, or movement. Classrooms in children's education, but also in adult education, try to go with these different styles. Some people learn things because they're better at listening to things. Some people learn things because they have to see it. Other people are just better at reading it in books. But it's not always exactly true. Most people learn in each of those ways. He talks about that it's not an either-or kind of thing. You're just not an auditory learner. You can be many different types of learners that are here. He talks about some myths when it comes to learning. And he brought in the learning styles. But he said that there's basically very little evidence that we learn better if material is presented in one way or another. He also says that another myth 
the old quote, old dogs can't learn new tricks. It used to be thought that way. And I think it was just a way for someone who's older to get someone who's younger to go away. No, I don't want to learn how to fly a kite. You can't teach old dogs new tricks. Totally not true. You learn throughout your entire life. It might be a little bit easier. It might be a little bit different based on your age, but it's not something that ever goes away. Learning should be fun. And sure, it's nice when you can do those types of things. Having fun is better than not having fun. But that doesn't mean that if you don't enjoy something, you can't learn it. The other myth that he talks about is that either you have ability to learn new things or you don't. And I hear people talk about this a lot. Oh, I'm just not good at learning new things. It's not true. It has more to do with Angela Duckworth and what she calls grit. Are you willing to stick to things? Are you willing to do hard things? That's what actually matters more to learning than actually whether you're skilled at it or you're talented at it. Then there's the myth of the 10,000 hour rule. They talk about how if you practice something for 10,000 hours, you'll become a master of it. And the author did not intend to create this sort of mastery deadline. He just tried to say that practicing, deliberate practice, and not just any practice, but aimed practice at the right things at the right time will help you to learn things. That's all it means. And you always want to make sure that that thing is challenging you. The question comes in now, how do we start to learn? How can we go about doing that? So he talks, first of all, that you have to learn how to do something. That's where you gather this information. But then there's doing it. If you learn something and you actually don't put it into practice, then it becomes dead to you. I remember as a kid, I used to build snow forts based on things that I learned in math class because I thought that was fun. And because of that, math became very easy for me. So doing things is absolutely important to do. And then he talks about exploration and how important it is for us to explore these new ideas. What we want to do is explore to find out exactly how to deconstruct the idea, break it down into smaller steps, but also learn what it means to be good at something. And as we explore and we start to get it, we start asking better questions. He talks about something that Chip and Dan Heath called ooching, that you're trying to get a taste of something. You're dipping your toe in it so you could just kind of see, is this something I like? Is this something I'm good at? Is it something that I might enjoy? It will give you a better sense to see what the day-to-day practice looks like. And that might mean that you're really interested in cooking and you take an introductory cooking class or you spend a day with a friend who's really good at cooking, you might be able to dip your toe into it a little bit and see if you actually really like it, if you have good skills with it, and if it's something that you would enjoy. I learned how to surf. I took surfing lessons when I was in Hawaii. I had a really hard two hours. I loved it. It was fantastic. I don't think I ever really want to do it again. It was a great experience for me, but it was just a one-off experience. I dipped my toe in the water, and I learned a lot about surfing and whether or not I wish to pursue it. So then he talks about the input modes. And the input modes are something about how you can get the information into your brain. First of all, you can observe it and just watch someone do the thing that they're trying to do. Or maybe you imitate it, which means you're following along and doing it while someone is doing it. Explanation, that means that you're reading or listening to someone as they break down the subject. Or experimentation, trying to just figure it out on your own. Play with it a little bit. See how it goes. 
So depending on the situation, learning through these different methods, each of them might be more useful in other ways. Do you get better at sports by watching someone do a sport? Maybe initially that first day or something like that. But it isn't until you actually start imitating it or experimenting with it and playing the sport where you actually can get good at it. He says that we learn better that when we know the context of what we're studying. And then he talks about schemas and previous knowledge. A schema is a conceptual framework of previous knowledge and experience that helps us process new information. So if you never saw something before and then someone were to explain it to you, It would be alien to you. You wouldn't understand what in the world they were talking about. But if you already knew something related to it, then it starts making sense. His example that he gave was trying to explain to someone about a leopard. Well, if you had just heard the explanation of a leopard, it might be confusing to you at first. But if you understand how a cat is built, then the context helps you in understanding this new concept of what a leopard is and how it's different from a cat. So these constructs help us to understand and make progress. And then he said progression. Learning anything is easier if we study it progressively and in the right order. That means we have to understand the basics before we can do the advanced stuff. And we learn and we build upon it. So the first strategies he gives is, first of all, he says, break down the information into smaller bits. He talks about note-taking. That helps people understand and learn what they're trying to do. He mentions self-explanation, and that means that you try at this point of explaining to yourself how this works. He talks about the word ruminate, which is kind of chewing it up in your brain and letting it synthesize, and you think about it, and you're trying to process that information. And then the next step is concept maps. These are visual ways that you can draw something out. So a lot of times in my work, we draw out visio charts and other types of mind mapping charts so we can see the progress of the beginning to the end. That helps us learn things. Making it relevant. If something is important and relevant to us and we're not asking, why am I learning this? Then it will help us learn when we know why it is that we're trying to do it and what the big picture is. When I go into training classes as a trainer, I'm always trying to explain to people exactly why it is that we're doing this, how it's going to help them, and how this helps their organizations do better. So trying to give them context will make them motivated to learn something and more excited to pay attention. And then questioning. He calls it elaborative questioning. And that's where you're trying to deduce the logic behind what it is you're trying to learn. Why are we doing it this way when we're trying to do that? Anything that you're trying to do If you understand the whys, then it'll help you understand context behind it, and you will learn it in a much deeper way. Connecting the information that you learned to what you already know. So if you think about learning a new piece of software, you say, oh, this works a little bit like Officeworks. If you can tie it to something that you already understand, then it'll make sense. So the next step that it talks to learning comes from a different book called How We Learn, When, Where, and Why It Matters by Benedict Carey. This is a little bit more of a biological view when it comes to learning. Forgetting is actually a critical part of our brain because it makes other information available to us more readily because we used to know something. We don't need that information anymore. 
So our brain forgets it so that those new memories can become more upfront and more available to us. And then continuing to test yourself will help you to make sure that you really learn something as compared to just memorizing something and then forgetting it very shortly after. He mentions a few things that talks about how can we help ourselves to learn things better. And the first thing he mentions is that you want to make sure that you study things in a variety of different environments. That will help you learn things. Like if you're sometimes in a coffee shop, sometimes in a library, sometimes in a recliner at your own house, sometimes at work at your own desk, that variety of different places that you have will help you to learn it. When I was in college, they were suggesting that we go to places that emulated the place that you're going to take your final exam. Maybe even go into that exact room and learn it there because when you're in that familiar situation, it will be easier to retrieve what you learned. However, that's not learning it for real because when we actually go out into the real world and start using our education, we're going to be in noisy malls, we're going to be in busy coffee shops, we're going to be talking in loud meetings. And that doesn't help us if we only have these experiences in a certain location. Break up the situations that you're in, but then also alter the medium. Sometimes it's a book, sometimes it's a computer, sometimes you're watching a video of it. Learning through these different steps will help you learn it better. He then talks about what he calls spacing out. And that just means learning some information and then taking a break, learning some information and then taking a different break. And that way you can increase the amount of information that you actually learn because you're taking it in more slowly. He mentions that cramming can work. That's where you're just studying hard and you're looking at it hour after hour after hour. However, you may not learn it very well for the long term. So he says you want to make sure you take advantage of the spacing effect. And that means that you spend 10 minutes learning something and then you break up the time. So if you plan on allotting, in in this example, three hours to studying something, it's better to study it for 30 or 60 minutes over a few days than three hours at an entire chunk of time. Weishart and Pashler did this experiment to try to find out how much time that you take to learn something. And if it was a week, you basically only remembered things for one to two days. If you studied it over a month, you'll probably remember it pretty well for a week. If you study it over three months, you'll learn it pretty well over two weeks and still be able to remember it. But you can kind of see that the longer it takes you and this bigger chunking that you do to learn something, the longer it will actually stay with you and then you'll remember it. He mentions that simply repeating facts right after you've studied something or learned it will not add to your memory benefit at all. He says that you should try to wait and then in your own words, not just repeating what's out of the book or wherever it is you learned it, try to restate it a little bit later. And so as the brain works on retrieving the information, it's going to become easier and easier to learn something. He talks a little bit about when you have a struggle to remember something, it's like exercising and lifting a heavy weight. The harder it is that you kind of tear those muscles, you build them back up stronger. Harder it is for us to recall something and then we actually succeed in doing it, that will deepen our effects of storing our memories and making it easier to recall them. 
He says that there's something called the Gates Ratio, and that means devoting 30 to 40% of time reading and memorizing when it comes to learning something new, and then spending the rest of the time trying to recall it and bring it back up again. And then he says, even if you're quizzing yourself and guessing the wrong answer and then finding out what the real answer is, will teach you in the long term how to actually answer the question correctly or do the right thing. Making mistakes is not a detriment to us learning things. It actually helps us. And he talks about the method of interleaving. That means that you mix up different types of materials in the process of your learning. Maybe you are trying to learn a new sport. So you read a book about the sport, then you try some things out and test yourself, then you watch some videos, then you go out with a friend and your friend shows you how to do it. Trying to intermix these different types of methods will help you really drive that learning into your brain better. And then the last step, he talks about sleep. And it's the REM kind of sleep that helps you retain that information. Naps that last at least for one hour also contain slow-wave deep sleep and REM sleep. So naps work too. But what will happen is, is if you study for an exam and then you sleep on it and then recall it the next morning, you'll be more likely to learn it for good. That sleeping behavior with the REM sleep actually helps you deepen the understanding, comprehend it better, and then make it easier to recall. So he even talks about if you really need to understand something or learn something, Study right up to your bedtime, go to bed at your regular time, and get up early and do a quick review before you need to share that information, either because it's a test or you actually have to do the thing you're doing. But being able to learn, sleep, and then quiz yourself, that'll help you learn things better than anything. So those are some steps when it comes to really trying to learn something deeply and understand it. And then when he's asked the question about if there's any sort of strategy for trying to learn something in a longer term way, start early as possible. Give yourself permission to walk away, take a break, have these deliberate interruptions, and then go back to it. But the most time that you can give yourself to learn something, the better you'll learn it. So one of the things that I found that was helpful to me is I had to learn a new piece of software the last couple of weeks. It was a deep dive into something that I had never done in this particular way before. And when I first went through it, they showed us how to do it and we actually recorded the sessions. The next time I went through it, I worked with a coworker and we worked on it together and figured out how to do it and we got a successful package done out of that process. But then the third time I did it, I felt like the first two times were such a struggle What I did is I went into a deep dive of this and I started recording each of the steps. So I would learn something, I would record it into my new training document, and then I would do it. And then I would look at the next step, I would record it in my new training manual, and then I would do it. And that drilled it into my brain. I feel like I know it deeply now. I really learned it. And it's again, because I soaked some of it in, I recalled some of it out, and then I actually tried it. And those three steps helped me learn something that was time-consuming and difficult, and now I feel like I really have it down. Summary. Make sure that you break things up into small, learnable chunks of learning. Two, test yourself after you learn something, give yourself a little bit of break, walk around, do something else for a while, then quiz yourself. Three, 
Make sure you vary the media, the learning style, the environment that you're learning in so that you can learn in all sorts of different areas or that new learning is available to you in every situation. Four, make sure you give yourself enough time to learn something so that you can learn it for real and get a deep, comprehensive look at whatever it is you're trying to learn. Five, make sure that you get sleep. Sleep is where our brain takes that information and cleans up the catalogs and stores things into the proper place. Challenge, try to pick one new thing that you're going to learn. Start off by giving yourself the right type of media, figure out how you're going to learn it, if you're going to learn it with books and videos. Then give yourself a way that you can practice it and try it out. Start with something really simple. If you're going to try to learn how to knit, knit a scarf. So our fun movie quote of the day comes from the TV series Westworld. How can you learn from your mistakes if you can't remember them? And that's true, right? When we can learn from our own mistakes, means we have to remember them first. So learning and memorizing go hand in hand. All right, everyone. Don't forget to review the podcast and please tell your friends. I'm trying to grow this podcast and have more people listen. So if you can tell your friends about it, it helps me get to other people. Count on all of you to tell other people about this podcast. So visit the website at smallstepspod.com if you want more information or the show notes or you want to come say hi. Have a great week.